The meeting of Jesus with the rich young man is told in all three synoptic Gospels. It is an important text in the history of religious life as it contains the Evangelical Council of Poverty. St. Anthony the Great heard St. Matthew's version in church one day and promptly dispossessed himself and became a monk. However, as is so often the case in the Synoptic Gospels, while the heart of the episode is the same in the various tellings, Saints Matthew, Mark, and Luke emphasize different details or even change them. What is unique about Mark's account? Two elements stand out. The most important difference is the description of Jesus when he hears the young man profess his diligent observance of the commandments. Jesus, looking at him, loved him, says Mark. The Latin verb used here for looking is somewhat unusual. The closest English verb is intuit. Jesus does not merely look at this zealous young man. He beholds him. He reads his heart. He contemplates his entire being, all the good, all the bad, all his strengths, all his weaknesses. And Jesus loves what he beholds. In his love for this man, there is an echo of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. As Jesus came up out of the river, God the Father beheld him, and from heaven a voice was heard, proclaiming him his beloved Son. Jesus loves this young man as he himself is loved by his Father. This love is the context for the counsel of perfection Jesus proclaims. He is not dissatisfied with the zeal of the youth, quite the opposite. It has elicited the lofty ideal Jesus sets before him. But admirable as his zeal is, it cannot raise him to the perfection Jesus proposes. He can only attain to that height if he consents to being loved, if he accepts the love offered him by Jesus. There is a second time in today's Gospel when Jesus looks at someone this way. It occurs when his astonished disciples ask, Who then can be saved? Jesus beholds them before replying that for men it is impossible, but that all things are possible for God. Mark does not say here that Jesus loves them, but I think he intends us to draw that conclusion. As before, it is only the context of a love that knows them through and through that makes sense of the other unique element in St. Mark's version of the story. In all three accounts, St. Peter says that the disciples have given up everything and followed Jesus. And in all three, Jesus promises a hundredfold return and eternal life. But it is only in St. Mark's Gospel that we find these two uncomfortable little words with persecutions. If we follow Jesus, we will encounter persecution. Our Lord has promised. In his love, he allows us to be tried, and this is a wonderful gift. St. Anthony the Great, who became a monk after hearing this gospel, once said that whoever has not experienced temptation cannot enter, the, cannot enter the, into the kingdom of heaven. He even added, without temptations, no one can be saved. St. Peter will later write that as gold is tried by fire, so our faith is tested by trials to prove its worth. Knowing ourselves loved, we can love in return. Our Lord promises trials and persecutions so that we may have the opportunity to prove our love for him. It is his love, 
the love of God, that makes our love possible and draws us through the eye of the needle into his kingdom. In our fractious and polarized world, there is no shortage of opportunities to bear persecutions gently and patiently. Our ability to bear them can only truly come from the same encounter that the rich young man and the disciples had with Jesus, an encounter in which they found themselves beheld, known, and loved. We too seek Jesus, following his commandments, gathering here today. Desiring perfection, we come before him and plead, what must we do to inherit eternal life? The Eucharist is God's hundredfold reply, as we stand in the very presence of our Lord, seeing us, knowing us, and giving himself to us in love for our salvation.